What did the Utah Utes players, as well as Coach Whittingham, after being able to sit on his thoughts for a few days, think about the team's performance in Gainesville? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Also, appreciate you guys subscribing to the channel. We saw a huge growth these last few days, and your support means the absolute world to us on this channel. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department, and it was weird watching Friday's game, Saturday's game as a fan for the first time, but... Man, what a game it was. One, unfortunately, the Utes couldn't come out on top of. And we all had a lot of thoughts, obviously. But we were curious to hear from the players and Coach Winningham with a few days to sit on it as well because we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. But that is very important, what these guys think after having a few days to sit on it and especially watch and evaluate that film. So we're going to talk about the biggest takeaways from the players and the coaches we were able to hear from today. And in order to do that, we have Ute Zone's Sammy Mora coming on with us. And Sammy, my, my first biggest takeaway in all of this was just hearing Coach Witt once again talk about the defense because we, we saw a not great performance, but you're always curious to hear what kind of words the head coach is going to say. And a lot of things, when you get out of that first press conference, just you're so fresh off the game, the, the post-game press conference. You're very fresh off it. You have a lot of thoughts going. There's a lot of things going on. So a lot of answers you're answering with, well, we got to wait. Well, I got to look back on the tape. And Coach Winningham got a chance to do that, and he was not pleased with what he saw. Direct quotes from him. Defensively, we weren't very good. We were soft, and the run defense was abysmal. Said multiple times, far too soft in the run game. Said the front seven played sloppy. They lacked fundamentals, the technique. Their fits were not good. And on total, the number that really stood out to him was the 27 missed tackles, a number that's usually in the teens. And, yeah, this is something when when I turned on the tape and was looking back on the game as well, and even live, you just could notice all the missed tackles. I think even Coach Witt, you can see some of the plays live, but that sideline view is so much different than – there's a reason there's no camera that – has exactly where like the coaches are standing because it's not a very good view. You see a couple of things, but end zone views, press box views, obviously TV views are so much better to take all that stuff in. So he was able to look back on that and see all these things. And that's absolutely what stood out. How many plays did Utah have three, missed three tackles on it? There are so many plays. Anthony Richardson was able to get out. Florida's running backs. It was a really tough one for the Utes in terms of just bringing down ball carriers, even pass catchers a couple of times broke a few tackles. So really disappointing to see this team struggle, especially in the front seven, as he highlighted the issues bringing pressure were apparent as well as on running plays, linebackers struggling with alignment, run fits. There were issues all over the place. And I think all of coach Whittingham's comments were very warranted and a thousand percent correct. They were very warranted. And I think the one that I want to go back to the most is the, the, the missed tackles one. Because it's not like they weren't, like, trying. Because there were tries, but they were all weak arm tackles. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked about this on Utezone.com, but you can't arm tackle Anthony Richardson. Like, and I understand trying to be safe and trying to make sure you're not targeting, especially with the Pac-12 officiating crew. You never know what you're going to get. But they were arm tackling every single person, and they were going for, like, the ankles. 
do you know how e- I'm not saying it's easy to break a tackle because it's probably a little hard, but it's I it I think it's a lot easier probably to just step out of an ankle tackle than it is to like get out of a full body tackle. So that was my big thing with the with the tackling issue, and I also referred to the defensive line as Swiss cheese um, because there were so many holes in that defensive line, and it was kind of a little like I don't want to say like concern well it was concerning but at the same time like given how many different like body types and like styles of players they have you would expect them to kind of mix and match and figure out who would be best suited for this this offense this Florida offense but like they just didn't come out with anything like from the jump like it looked like Florida's offensive line was going to manhandle them which credit to Florida's offensive line they do have a pretty solid offensive line but at the end of the day like Utah has a pretty solid defensive line, and they should have matched up a lot better than they actually did. But this game was probably lost in the trenches for Utah. Well, that and some other things that we'll talk about later. No, I 100% agree, especially just one of the stats that if you told me going into the game, Florida would outrush Utah, I would absolutely say Utah's going to lose the game then. And that's what happened. It was 283 to 230. So something this Utah team just can't let happen. And just whether it be those issues tackling, as you highlighted, just poor angles, technique, all into effect, and things that can't happen when you're trying to get a huge road win in the SEC. What's crazy is all that happened, and they still almost won, proving just how talented this Utah team is. But mm-hmm. it makes sense that Coach Whittingham would be disappointed in his team's defensive performance. But, Sammy, just being around and talking to the players today, what were some of the things you learned or found interesting? So today, uh, well, today's Monday night. It, um, I don't know if this is coming out Tuesday morning. It will get yeah, Tuesday morning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yesterday, Monday, was offensive players only, so we'll get a crack at the defensive players tonight. So we'll be able to get more answers on that front later today on Tuesday. But most of them just talked about the lack of execution in the red zone, which I think all Utah fans are probably like, yeah, like, what the heck? Like, we need to figure that out, like, ASAP. Mm-hmm. But... It was it was it was like cam rising. You can tell when usually Cam's really happy and really chit mm-hmm. like smiley stuff. Oh, he was not having it. He was not having it in any way, shape, or form last night last night at practice. Like it was so like yeah, he was he he was still very well spoken and very eloquent with what he was trying to say and like he got his points across, but he was like no nonsense. Like I think he's still pissed off about this loss, which is understandable because like you were the number seven ranked team in the country. You were playing in an SEC opponent. This was a huge, not only for you, but a huge for your conference, huge for the team, huge for the fans, huge for everybody. And just some bad execution in the red zone just didn't, didn't play into their favor. And I think, yeah, the interception is going to be something that everyone comes back to a lot of the time. But I think this also comes back to the fact that, which Whit even brought up in his presser, that third, that third and goal, like Cam, if you go back and watch the like the TV, he is clear. He is in. Cam is in before his knee hits the ground in any way, shape, or form. So that one he didn't really comment on a lot. But Makai was very Makai was very like succinct and to the point. He was like, "Yeah, we just need to be better in the red zone because like we can't let those moments slip away, especially when we're playing like other high scoring teams. Because like like." when you're playing like a USC who might drop like 60 points every single game because they have all offense, like, yeah, you're going to need to make sure that whenever you get the ball, you, you come away with points as well. So that's, that's the, those are the two big like player points that I 
think are worth mentioning, but there was some interesting stuff from Coach Bumpus as well. Yeah, and we're going to get to that later in the show. And I love that you talked about the red zone because that's also something I'm going to touch on in just, just a second. But first, want to take it, take a second and tell you guys about Underdog. I want to tell you guys about the easiest and the most fun way to spice up your season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em games for college football. Just look for the Utes, stats, and pick whether you think they'll end up with higher or lower than the number in the week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with the they're easy to use website and mobile apps. Guys, Utes obviously coming off a really disappointing loss, a close loss. This team's going to be fired up and ready to go versus Southern Utah. So make sure you guys head over to Underdog Fantasy and look at some of their lines and odds for player stats. Because the question with Utah's guys is how, obviously how much are these guys going to play in this week's game? So that's always something to keep in mind when teams are going to get up big. But depending on it could be in one of those early games where Tavion Thomas has over 100 yards rushing in the first half and then he doesn't play in the second. All things that are interesting and possible and you have an opportunity to cash in on with Underdog. Pick between two and five players for your pick em slip get all your picks right and you'll take home some cold hard cash it's simple to get started just head to underdogfantasy.com down the load the app and sign up with the promo code as well locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars deposit your 100 get a free 100 that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on so Sammy, you were talking about the red zone deficiencies for Utah, and not surprisingly, that was something Coach Whittingham spoke to as well. So Florida made three trips to the red zone, 21 points in those times. Utah made six trips to the red zone. They were only able to score touchdowns on three of those times as well. So just something not in Utah's favor in that one and an opportunity where, excuse yeah, you left points on the board three times as well, just unable to cash in and get in there. Came away with six points for Utah in a lot of those situations, settling for field. We know we had to settle for field goals, interceptions, goal line stands. There were a lot of things that went into that for Utah. So I think the biggest thing here is that Utah just lacked creativity. And the reason I use lacked creativity is that's what Coach Whittingham flat out said, that if you ask Coach Ludwig, that is what he would mention as well. And especially on the goal line stand coming right out of the half, Utah ran the ball four times and Look, I understand running it the first even two to three plays, but at some point when it's not working, I don't think it's bad to switch it up. And I think that's something that cost the team a little bit is they were very predictable when a lot earlier in the game, you said the bubble screen, some of the creative things, and they did try the bubble screen game in the red zone one time, but that wasn't the right door. Brant Keithy was dropped for about a two yard loss there. That wasn't the right defensive alignment because you can see they're heavily shaded to that right side. So the linebackers and safeties were able to come over way easy. So just, being more creative. And I know they tried the two point conversion, the reverse shovel pass that totally was botched, but still early on, especially just talking about those running opportunities. When you're just running up the gut every single time you become predictable. When you have things like a Tavion Thomas getting tripped up, that's where you really get in trouble to me. And I think this Utah team needs to get more creative in the red zone. Give it, whether it's giving guys like Devon Vele to win on the outside, Brant Keithy, of course, Dalton Kincaid. I would really love to see plays drawn up where these guys are way out in the corner on an Island by themselves. Like Dalton Kincaid is one of the best jump threat, jump ball guys in college football, throw it up, give him a chance. 
let Brant, I mean, how great was Brant as a route runner? Draw a play up where you get Brant in all that space and let him do what he does best, create separation as he did so many times for you. Or how about the play that got Makai in the end zone? That was a great play. Why didn't we see more of that, especially when things were congested on the inside? Because, of course, the run game was working to get Utah down deep into the red zone, but because you're at the 50-yard line, teams still have to respect and play their safeties back for the pass. When they know you're that close to the goal line, they're coming up, and that is a crowded box. And you look on Tavion's final touchdown run, the guy who comes down, there's just not enough bodies to contain him. So he's one-on-one with Tavion, and he did a great job getting low and winning that battle. And That's obviously one Utah wants Tavion to win, but when you're going to have a situation like that where even unblocked in order to score, your player's going to have to beat someone, to me that's just not a great play call in that situation. So I just think more creativity and especially utilizing the pass game more in the red zone would lead to more production for this Utah team, and I'm excited to see some of that creativity play out against Southern Utah in a game you should win pretty handedly. So opportunity to experiment with some of that creativity. Yeah, okay. Here's my thing with the creativity. Yes, they needed it in the red zone versus Florida, but when you're that close to the goal line, your 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 plays, the number of plays you have shrinks significantly. You have less room to work with. It's harder for wide receivers to run certain routes. You don't you don't want to ru- throw a post corner to the far corner if you know that your your core your your wide receivers are going to be in double coverage. Like that's not something you want to do. And well, yeah, I think they might show a little bit more creativity against Southern Utah. I don't think they're going to show as much because it is still way too early in the season to open up the playbook and go super deep in it, especially against a team like Southern Utah. Because the sooner you open up that playbook and you crack into it, the sooner Oregon's going to see it, the sooner USC's going to see it, the sooner Arizona State's going to see it, the sooner every single person that is on the rest of the schedule is going to see it, and they're going to start preparing for it. So you need to keep some of those secrets you have in your back pocket, like Last season, for example, that flea flicker versus USC. Yes, we know Cam read his armband wrong, but at the same time, like that was something Utah fans hadn't seen. And then it, to, it USC obviously hadn't seen it either because they left Vele on an island and Vele was able to bring it down. Like, so I would expect a little bit more creativity in the red zone this time, but specifically inside the five. But I don't think we're going to be seeing trick plays, anything crazy, because Yes, Southern Utah is going to be a formidable opponent and you hope to win heavy-handedly, but you don't want to tip off your hand to the other people down the stretch. Because if you run like a like a flea flicker or a post route or some other form of trick play in this game, I would put good money on it. The SC shows that in film study. And they're like, this is what they're... If they line up in this formation and this happens, like this is probably going to happen. But... Someone that I think would be is would be and should be very successful in the red zone is Money Parks. You get him on a jet sweep, nobody's catching him. He is the fastest guy on the team, or if not the fastest, one of the fastest. So you need to get your fast assets like working too. Because yeah, run game works, but at the same time, if they're putting if they're loading up that box, you're not gonna get anything. Maybe you you line up like it's going to be a run pass. You fake it to Tavion and you throw a little, a little like basketball like free like a little yeah. like a little jump pass over the line to Dalton who's in the end zone. Like you do stuff like that. Like yeah, that's creative, but at the same time you're not tipping your hand as to what's going on. So yes to creativity, but I don't think we're going to see any of it this weekend. 
for, for sure. I don't want them to empty the cupboard and do all the play things like that. I do just want to see them take a different approach. And I, I think that's what you're saying as well is do a couple oh, things yeah. outside, just run the ball up the gut four times, do some things, but don't and, do, don't and they just probably will. They honestly yeah. probably will. But I just, it's like flat, like sh- sh- tipping your hand way too early is not a good sign. That means you're getting desperate already in the first week. Yeah. And, definitely. Yeah, don't you've, win you've had one loss to a, a pretty good Florida team. Like, don't tip your hand. Like, just keep what you have close to your chest and just use it when you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't go all out creative plays, none of that. Don't show too much. But I do think it's an opportunity to get those live reps against someone who's not your own defense and see is how some of these plays and different things can work. But as you mentioned, don't want to show everything off to some of the future teams. You need to find that happy medium of getting those live game reps, improving on some of the plays and things you want to grow and just incorporate into your normal game plan, as well as keeping things hidden, like some of those trick plays you mentioned as well. So I think that will be important for Utah. And I'm excited to see how they decide to get a little more creative rather than just run it up the gut four times in a row. So, Sammy, you what was your second takeaway from today, basically talking with everyone? Um, well, there was quite a – like, there was – it was it was a very short media session, but I think – I'm I'm interested to like I also think it's very we're we're very fortunate that the next game after the whole flight debacle is SUU because yeah SUU yeah. is going to be a good team to play and stuff but it's not like you're playing against like USC or Oregon like someone who's going to have like four All American wide receivers an All American quarterback and an All American everything so and a lot of them talked about how like yeah that experience was really tough but they all like think that. Cam even said, like, we've faced worse adversity than this. So us not being able to fly home is probably, like, towards the bottom of the things that, like, Mm adversity-wise that we need to deal with. And so, like, yeah, they they lost a day, basically. You you lose a day because Sunday was technically supposed to be their off day. Like, you lose a day, but, like, at the same time, like, I'm pretty sure a lot of them were watching film in the airport. They were doing anything they could to, like, keep the mo like keep it going because that has to be a gut punch. You lose a close oh, yeah. game and then you 100%. can't get out of that place that you're that you played in. That would ha- that would suck. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a that's something else that they they mentioned because I knew we knew everyone was going to ask about it because it was like on Twitter and everyone was talking about it all weekend and stuff. So, but to hear that a lot of them were like, yeah, we faced worse things than like this whole flight situation. It, it it speaks volumes to the team and like what their mentality is and how um, they react to things. Because like, honestly, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it sucks, but they got home. They're here in Salt Lake now. They're all safe. Like, it's fine. Yeah, definitely something that's not ideal. But as you mentioned, this team's been through much worse. And at the end of the day, one of the things they wanted to do was take advantage of that time to watch film. They were able to do that. And one thing you just talked about was how Cam – was kind of about the loss and how it would sting and things like that. I think the C in Cam Rising really stands for competitive. When you just talk to that guy and hear what he's about, he hates losing. He hated that Utah lost the Rose Bowl. You know, with the way things – with a guy like that, Cam Rising, someone who's going to take and the leadership role he takes and he wants to do everything he can to will his team to a win, wants to put the game on his shoulders – and at the end of the day, he knows he didn't make a play at the end where there are a lot of guys at fault for why Utah didn't come up with this win. But I think Cam Rising is going to go, that loss is on me because that's the kind of player and competitor he is. So and I think leader. Really yes. 
100 what a leader should do and that's why every single week speaking of leadership you're going to see coach winningham and the coaches every time this team loses they're going to take and say it's on us as the coaches because that's what great leaders do you don't blame your your players because you don't want to lose their trust you say it's on us first you want the media to come at you in those situations rather than go and target your guys yep exactly because at the end of the day most of these kids are what 17 or 18 to mid to late 20s unless you're Jordan Noyce who's in his 30s like sometimes it's hard and it's like you don't want to have to have the whole weight of the world on top of you and to have a coach or someone who's like like yeah like this is on me like I feel like that would make me feel better but I as a as a former athlete myself I would still want to want to take responsibility for the things that I did Mm-hmm. that caused the loss to happen or cause cause whatever happened, but to have a leader and leadership group that is able to be like, don't blame them, blame us. It's, it speaks to the leadership and how great the leadership is at the university of Utah. 1000%. My third and final takeaway for, from the press conference when we heard is just coach Witt talking about what led to the offensive line switch. So the first depth chart was released last week and on there said the offensive line was going to be, Brain Daniels at left tackle, Keaton Bills at left guard, Paul Miley at center, Satawa Laumea at right guard, and then at right tackle, you'd have Jaron Kump. And that is not what came out even in the first series of the game as they decided to put Satawa Laumea at right tackle and Michael Mokofisi at right guard. And Mokofisi is someone who had an outstanding camp. So it wasn't a huge shock that he got in a little bit, but to see Satawa on the outside, that was surprising. He played tackle in high school. Coach Whittingham talked about that. And one thing Coach Whittingham also talked about that just makes this whole thing murky and confusing is he said that this group of offensive linemen and that group being the first group that we said on the depth chart that was supposed to be the starters was getting all the first team reps, all the works, and that they wanted to make sure they had more chemistry and time to come together than the offensive line did going into the 2021 season. So is that the case? And then this week, what he had mentioned was, well, we saw the speed of Florida's edge rushers, and we just thought Satawa was the better guy for the job. So, And this is the group they're going with, sticking for it. So it wasn't like this is a matchup thing. So what makes this so interesting is, was this a thing they decided the week of, or has this always been the plan, and they switched it up? At the moment, I honestly think they just realized this week, hey, look at some of the speed. I think Satawa is the better option. I think they realized that after they put the depth chart out, because I don't think it's much of an advantage to lie on your depth chart about who your right tackle is going to be. So I just don't see that being the case. But, I mean, Coach Whittingham gave the group a B plus. They were better in the second half than the first half. I absolutely agree with that as well. And that's one of the best defensive lines they're going to face all season. There was a 415 pound man who moved extremely well on that defensive line. And there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of players like Brian Cox as well, who was the edge rusher for Florida, who had a fantastic game. So one of the best defensive lines they are going to see in a hostile environment, that offensive line shined, especially with a last minute change and Satawa playing a completely different position than he's played during his time at Utah. I mean, Makai Bernard told me at practice, he's like, I didn't even realize they made a switch until (laughs) I was watching film. I was like, okay, well, uh, not the answer I was looking for, bud, but thank you. Uh, So, And I think it also, this, like, you said, like, you don't know how much of an edge it gives you to lie about, like, who your right tackle is on your depth chart or your right guard is. I mean, it kind of could. It kind of is, could be a little bit of an advantage because... If Florida, for example, sees that they have uh, they have Jaron in that position and they say, OK, well, he's coming off an injury. He hasn't had a live start since basically the 
I, he played like a, a couple year. snaps in yeah a year. a year. He hasn't had a live snap in a year. Like he's obviously going to be rusty, so we're going to be able to get that. We're going to circle that as the as the guy that we're going to like key in on on the offensive line because they always tend to key in on one that is kind of the weak link per se mm-hmm. of who they're going to be able to get to the quarterback with. And so for them to say okay, with saying okay, well. Um, Jaron's obviously they have a lot more speed on the edge at Florida. So how about we move Lumea over and put Mocha Fisi in? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to remain like kind of neutral in this situation because knowing wit, he'll probably make more changes as the season yes. goes on. I know how much Utah fans are going to hate to hear me hear that or hear, hate to hear me say that, um, especially with offensive line that's one of the things i've learned most that utah fans are the most sensitive about and i understand why because you need those five guys up front to be working in perfect sync with not only each other but also with cam and the running backs and the rest of the offense and to keep switching guys in and out is not good but if you really think about it you had if you look at in fall camp behind jaron you had falcon who was getting the work in and he Falcon got all of the reps in the spring camp because Jaron still wasn't cleared to go. So you had Jaron getting, you had Falcon, you had Falcon getting reps in the ones in the spring. And then Jaron started getting part of the reps with the ones in the fall. They kept battling for that position. Then you have Lumea and Mokofisi also doing their thing. So it's like, yeah, like, yeah, it sucks to keep switching it in in and out parts, but you got to do what the defense across from you is giving you. Because if they're giving you speed, like you're going to need to combat speed with speed, or you're going to need to combat speed with someone who has better footwork. Like there's there's things you're going to have to like weigh to decide what you want most out of your team. And I think if we see changes again, like Utah fans are going to be like, "Brr, we just got the offensive line figured out." It's like, yeah, but obviously the coaches saw something in the film that you don't see, mm-hmm. so they're trying to combat that by making these moves. For sure. And the one thing I will say to contradict myself is here's the biggest thing it takes advantage of, in my opinion. Florida's left defensive end is watching Jaron Kump film all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get Satow out there and he's like, okay, what is this? Someone. Yeah. Knew. I thought that's, I think that and, would be a thing as well. That's totally fine. And I, I completely agree with that point. But at the end of the day, like Utah was trying to do what Utah, Utah's offensive game plan was to stop the Florida defensive ends. Florida's game plan was obviously to get to the Utah quarterback. That's fine. That's dandy. So you're both are going to make and do things to aid yourself in that game plan and aid yourself in that process. And if that means making a last minute switch of your right guard and your right tackle, then you do it. Mm-hmm. Is it right? Or is it left? Is it left? It was left. Right, right. left defensive end. I think. Yeah. So right it's right. Tackle. Your right side of your line. If you need to make changes to the right side of your line, you make right, right changes to your right side of your line to combat that left end on the Florida defensive line or whatever team you're playing. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that they go with this change. It's such an interesting and complex thing as well. Offensive line chemistry is so crucial and key. So hopefully this can be the group they go with going forward. But if they need to make changes, and Coach Winningham said, Jaron Kumpf is our next guy. This is a team that's going to make those changes as well. So it'll be fun to watch how this team continues to come together and grow after a really good game in one of the toughest environments to play in college football. And Sammy, for your final takeaway, I was curious to get your takeaway on. I know you talked with uh, Utah wide receiver coach Chad Bumpus today, and he had an interesting quote. Okay, 
I'm pretty sure everyone at this point or hopefully has seen the quote about Devon Vele needing to demand the ball. So, I asked, for those who have it, by the so way. So basically, Bump says Devon needs to be demanding the ball. Even if he's in coverage, he needs to be demanding the ball. Cam needs to be make Cam needs to be throwing it to him when he demands the ball. So yes, that was basically the gist of the quote. You can read the full quote uh, on Twitter. It's on a bunch of people's pages. Um, but the thing is, is that quote was taken so wildly out of context. So Bill Riley asked Bump, "What did the wide receivers do well?" And Bump said, "Here's all the things the wide receivers did well." I came in and I said, "Okay, you've already told us what the wide receivers did well." What do you think the wide receivers need to improve on as the season goes on? I didn't ask him to go off about Devon. I did not. That was not the plan. Mm-hmm. That was not the plan whatsoever. The plan was to ask him what they need to improve on. So that's just me setting the record straight on this one. That it's taken wildly. It's take, it, Like most quotes, it's been taken out of context. For sure, as the, as they always seem to be, that's always one of the challenging things, and it will be interesting to see kind of how Devon, who I think made some critical catches in the game, but I think everyone mm-hmm. going into that did expect him to have more yards. It is going to see be interesting to see how that changes going forward, and how Cam and his relationship continues to evolve. As I do, it still looks like Brant is his clear target number one. But I'll say this as well: the reason Brant was the clear target number one in game one is he was getting open he so was getting open. Yeah, he was getting just... open. They're running linebackers against him, and he can get past linebackers. That's so easy. Yeah, he even got some guys in the secondary sometimes. Oh yeah, because they can't guys. tackle. They can't tackle. You can't tackle a giant tight end yep. like by one of you if you're a tiny corner or tiny safety. Yeah, it's pish posh. It's like that's like child's game, honestly. Pish pish posh. There you go. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I apologize to everyone who's listening right now. It's one thing that makes this Utah team so great is to have a mismatch like Brant Keithy on the outside, a guy with the footwork of a wide receiver, but of course the strength of a tight end. So a tough loss for Utah, but now this team is safely back here in Salt Lake City, ready to move on, move forward in in preparation for their bout versus Southern Utah. So we appreciate you guys listening to Locked On Utes and making us your first listen every day. But if you are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get yourself ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, you know, there's always a lot of changes when it comes to the NFL as one of the wildest off-seasons this past one that we have ever seen before so make sure you guys check that out to get updated on all your needs make sure you guys follow sammy at s underscore more 99 and check out all her great content she has coming up with youth zone also make sure you guys like and subscribe this video and follow locked on youths on twitter or make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast we'll be back the rest of the week looking ahead to the big upcoming game versus southern utah where utah will have a chance to get their first win but we thank you for listening to locked on youths